Rain, rain went away. It turned into a beautiful day. Bright, shiny, sunny, and it's Thursday. We are one day closer to getting to the weekend. And I am coming at you as I love to do every weekday here over the airwaves of ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you in the sports pen. Jake Durant from Local 3 in studio with me. What's up, Jake? Man, I'm enjoying the weather. Finally feels like summer. You know, there's a, there's some warmth in the air. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been kind of nice, above, like, you know, 50 degrees, but it's been like a chilly air, especially mm-hmm. um, near the studio here uh, near Lake Superior. But um, today it felt like a, a warm summer day. I went running. I've been trying to get back in shape uh, for the summer, so it was just a, a nice day man like you said it's thursday a lot going on in sports just a beautiful day i wish we had two three hours to be able to do this show because we're going to try and pack that much into maybe one hour so we'll get right to it and we'll start with the nba and the bucks making a statement last night they win 108 to 100 they had to come back again from double digits and they do so Maybe not the way we expected. They did it on the heels of Brooke Lopez, who scored 13 of his 29 points in the fourth quarter. Giannis, he did fine. He had a good game, 24 points and 14 rebounds. But they didn't win because of Giannis. They won because of Brooke Lopez, and that spells trouble if you're a Toronto fan. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me Brooke Lopez would drop 29 points, 11 rebounds, I mean, mm-hmm. if he's able to do you know, even near that that stat line um, consistently this series, then then good luck to Toronto because mm-hmm. um, you know twenty nine points in, from Brooke Lopez. Do you remember the the Lakers got rid of? Let's bring it back to the league. They got rid of Brooke Lopez. They they got rid of Lo- Brooke Lopez and brought in JaVale McGee. I mean, and now you see Brooke Lopez shining here in the playoff in the postseason, the playoffs, hitting threes. I think he hit like four threes last night. You can I mean, throw D'Angelo Russell in there and, too. I mean, just think if they actually kept some of their players, their team might actually be pretty good. Julie. Randall, uh, exactly, exactly. Can they bring in Timothy Mozgov after him, right? It, it oh, just doesn't, man. you know, just a long, a long list of bad, bad moves by the Lakers. But getting back to Milwaukee, man, you know they they dominated the boards, uh, offensive glass. Um, I think their depth is just going to be the difference maker in this one. You know, coming mm-hmm. into to game one, I said this is a coin flip. I think I thought both teams were had a good shot. They were pretty even. Um, obviously, you have Kawhi Leonard and, and Giannis going um, against each other. But just the the depth that Milwaukee brings and the players that they can bring off the bench, especially in that second unit, um, I think is is just been is been amazing. Um, Nick Nurse had to play four starters last night over 40 minutes, mm-hmm. and any time Kawhi was off the court, you saw Milwaukee going to run. Yep. Um, and they just came off a long series against Philadelphia, you know, playing 40 plus minutes. I don't care how in shape you are, what type of conditioning you have. You know, that's going to wear you down, and I think late in that fourth quarter, you saw the Raptors kind of wear down as Milwaukee was cycling players in. Um, but, you know, when Kawhi went out, I think it was early in that fourth quarter, mm-hmm. the, the Milwaukee went on like an 8 nothing run, got back in the game, and then they just kind of they kind of cruised from there. So it's going to be kind of interest, interesting to see who steps up for Toronto. I mean, Kyle Lowry had himself a game. He actually played well in the playoffs, so that was kind of scary, but... Um, if you want to say maybe maybe Milwaukee just took Toronto's best punch, um, you know you could argue that they played really well. You know they they feel like they let one get away from them, um, so they're they're going to come back swinging definitely in game two, and then it's up to Milwaukee to hold down that home court. I want to see if the Bucks have really solved Kawhi Leonard because he had 29 points through three quarters. Then he had two in the fourth. Didn't make a shot. He just hit a couple of free throws to get his 31 points. On paper, looks pretty good. Kawhi with 31 points. That's per usual, you would think. But when you look closer and see what the Bucks did on him defensively in the fourth quarter, you start to wonder, have they solved him? Is that going to carry over to game two? 
I tell you what, Giannis does not have back-to-back, not bad games, but games where he's not the top player. It just doesn't happen back-to-back. He's going to be on his A game. The Bucs bench, their depth, their upside is just flat-out better than Toronto's is. I think the Bucs are going to blow them out in game two. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised. Um, You know, people, especially people who don't follow the Bucs, you know, Toronto fans are are now getting a fresh look at it. But Milwaukee has a lot of length. Mm -hmm. You know, their wings, their wingspans, you know, they can cover a lot of ground on defense. And and that's challenging when you're you're a guy like Kawhi who, 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 he can shoot the ball, but, you know, he's trying to get to the rim. He's Mm -hmm. trying to finish towards the rim. And and, um, to get past one defender and, and now you have help from another guy with a lot of length, you know, starting with Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton's not, you know, some short guy. Um, and then, obviously, you have, like, Malcolm Brogdon, who's a good defender, um, and guys like that. So um, I just feel like, you know, you can let Kawhi do his thing. Um, you know, they did let Kawhi do his thing. And they let Kyle Lowry kind of do his thing. And, and Toronto still lost. So you kind of wonder what Toronto's thinking. You know, we played maybe arguably a really good game, one of our better games of the postseason, and, and we still couldn't get it done. They they led most of the game. Mm-hmm. But when it mattered most in that fourth quarter, the Bucks were were fresher, had fresher legs, and they were able to kind of hang them, hang, hang, excuse me, um, you know, hang in there and, and kind of close that game out um, behind the home court. They were outscored 32-17 in that fourth quarter. Toronto was. And I tell you, I want to get your thoughts on this because I've been thinking about it since this morning. Am I crazy for still considering Damian Lillard's he from almost half court to end the series against Oklahoma City? Am I crazy for thinking that's still the biggest shot of the playoffs, not Kawhi's on Sunday? Because I feel like the only reason that's so memorable is because it bounced four times on the rim and then decided to drop. Right. I mean, obviously those two, both of those shots, huge. Mm-hmm. You could argue for both, I would, yeah. I would guess. Um Obviously, Toronto. There's a good chance that they couldn't. They might not be in this series if that shot didn't go down. But um, you know, I can kind of see the argument. That was a big shot for Portland. Uh, I know we're going to get to talking about them here in a little bit. But but no, I don't think you're you're crazy for that. Well, I tell you what. Looking at Portland tonight feels like a must win. You don't want to have to go back home knowing you need to win both of them against Golden State. Warriors lead the series one game to nothing. Portland turned the ball over 21 times in Game One. You're not going to win playing the defending champions by doing that. No, it's it's completely different. You saw Toronto go into Milwaukee and actually, you know, play really well. But I feel like. Um, after the game one loss for Portland, you know, I still feel like their confidence is probably still there because, like you said, they turn the ball over a lot. Um, they're two star players. They had okay games, but, you know, they're going to need CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard to be on their A plus game if they want to obviously win this series. Because going into the series, it was dubbed the battle of the best backcourts. And obviously, Clay Thompson and Seth, or Steph Curry, excuse me, got the best of them in, in game one. So um, they're going to need Damian to be out there hitting those those crazy shots, CJ driving and and doing that. And then they're going to need um, they're going to need guys. They need to they need to win the boards. And guys like a Zach Collins, who was coming to this series hot, is going to have to stay hot um, in order for them to just stay in the game. Because I mean, the Warriors have just so much firepower. And if you lose game two, going back home, you know, obviously. The series isn't over, but your confidence is going to dwindle, especially when you have that 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 cloud overhead, knowing that Kevin Durant could very well return at any moment. Um, I do think it's kind of a must-win, and I do think for Portland, um, they need to come out and I mean, even if they have a good showing, maybe they lose a close one. I, I just feel like Game One, um, they just it just wasn't a good game. You know, no. they were just rusty. I don't think they had a really a lot of time to to prep. Um, so you know, they're going to make adjustments, and I expect a much closer game tonight. 
Honestly, they played fairly balanced offensively, albeit McCullum and Lillard didn't have the games they probably need them to have in order to win. But offensively, they were balanced enough, 94 points. That can win you some ball games. Defensively, they were terrible. Steph Curry got so many open looks. He's heating up. He's playing maybe his best basketball offensively of the season right now. And they just seem to be content to hope he missed some open shots. And he's just not going to do that. Terry Stotts, after the game, I'm sure you've seen it. A reporter asked him, are you going to start trapping like Houston did? And Terry Stotts sarcastically asked, how'd that work out for Houston? Well, you're better defensively than Houston. Houston actually had a little success by doing that, but they're not built to play defense. Your team is. It was a good game play, and Houston just doesn't have the guys to execute it. Why would you not do it? Right. I mean, and Clay Thompson, he was free as well. Mm -hmm. You know, wide open threes. And these guys are arguably the two best shooters to ever do it. Um, I would I would expect Portland to throw many defenses at this team. Um, this team has seen it all. Obviously, mm-hmm. they've been through the postseason, won multiple championships. They can't you can't really surprise this team at all. But what you can do is kind of try to play that mental game and just throw a lot at them to see if it kind of shakes them up a little bit um, and you know knocks their their rhythm off. I think you got to be you got to be physical. Obviously, I think you know step up the physicality. You know, especially when it comes to Steph and things. I know he kind of shies away. He's a more of a, a finesse type of player. But you know, get up in his grill and, and really challenge these guys to play. Um, you know, I think they should. Obviously, what they did uh, game one isn't going to work. But like I said, I just don't think they had a lot a lot of time to even really prep for them. I think they'll come out a little bit better. You'll see a little bit of a different type of defense and and things like that. And I think they're going to play play much better. But, I mean, the Warriors, they're just one of those teams, man. You could be down by two and then snap of a finger, they're up by double digits. And I, that, I think that happened a few times. Clay Thompson got hot and things like that. And those are like those long threes that, you know, just are just seamless. Those those are like back-breaking, back, back-breaking buckets when you're the opposing team and you're seeing shots like this going. It's like, really, what what are we supposed to do here? Um, especially if you're struggling a little bit on offense. You know, it's, it's hard to keep up with a team like Golden State. Well, Kevin Durant is out again tonight with his right calf strain. I tell you what, I think that Golden State is going to be able to get by Portland without Kevin Durant, even if he doesn't come back this series. I think he probably will, but even if he doesn't, I think they're going to go on to the finals. To beat Milwaukee, though, the jury's still out on that one. If they're gonna, if they're gonna contend with a Bucks team with that much length, I get the feeling that's where Durant really is gonna be needed. Is gonna be called upon. I know they've won a title without him. I do believe they could do it, but I, I don't want to leave that to chance. Right. I, given Durant, I don't know if he's a necessity for the finals. I feel like he's a luxury for the Western Conference Finals. A necessity for the NBA Finals, that's probably a lot more likely. I think a lot is going to show itself. They may not even play the Bucks. I think they will, but they may not play them in the Finals. I tell you what, though, on Milwaukee's side, if they do want to win that series, they have to start getting out to hot starts. They can't come back mm-hmm. from double digits like they have been for most of these playoffs. Right, and I agree. I think either way, with or without Durant, I do think the Warriors would be considered you know, the favorites but with Durant, obviously, the, that gap definitely increases as, as the favorites. Um, but, yeah, if you're Milwaukee, you know, you got to figure this out because um, I, I do think Toronto, they can score the ball, but they're not as lethal from, obviously, the three and, and things like that. Um, if Milwaukee does go up against, against Golden State, obviously they're going to have to have their supporting players knock down some threes. 
Eric Bledsoe missed a lot of threes last night. There was a lot of players missing threes. Um, Toronto kind of um, crowded the paint, and Giannis would drive and kick out, and um, they were they were missing missing shots. So they're going to definitely have to hit their shots. Um, I do think it's going to be Golden State, and I do think it would be Milwaukee. I like Milwaukee's chances without Durant. I really do. I, I don't know. Call me crazy, but mm-hmm. I would be kind of favored to maybe root. You know, pick but without Durant. Without, I absolutely you know, would pick, pick Milwaukee. Pick Milwaukee. Yeah. Obviously, I think it's going to go the full six, seven games. But I mean, I like Milwaukee's depth. I like the like you said, they're they're pretty they're a balanced team, and and um, I think they can they can defend those shooters. I think they can defend the perimeter with, especially when you talk about the length that they do have. Um, it's going to be interesting, man. I really want to see a Golden State Milwaukee series. That's what I'm rooting for, um, and I think it'd be I think it'd be a good series, and and definitely with. With Durant, still be interesting, but you know, let's let's hope Durant's not, not not in there. Last couple of minutes before we go to break, and we both think that it's going to be a Warriors Bucks final, and I'm sure the rest of America, at least most of America, seems to think so. If it's the complete opposite, and you have the Trailblazers playing the Raptors. Then you have a really weird situation, which is starting to be talked about. And that's what's surrounding Inez Cantor, the big man for the Portland Trailblazers. You might remember a few months ago I talked in the show. I'm not sure if you were here that day or not. But Inez Cantor had his citizenship in his native country of Turkey revoked. He has been outspoken against the Turkish government. He's still got family that's over there. And I don't know what's happening to them. And I'm sure it's not pleasant. But there is a international, or at least Turkey's pressuring Interpol to uh, put out an international arrest warrant for Enes Kanter to bring him back to Turkey, where he would presumably be put to death. And there was a game when he was still with the Knicks, where they played in London. He chose not to make that trip because of fear of his life, because of a potential assassination attempt. He did the same thing when the team went to Toronto to play a game there. Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon has already reached out to Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau that if they have to play in Canada for the NBA Finals, that Canada will, A, not honor any um, extradition order from Turkey, and, B, that they would give Inez Cantor around-the-clock protection. Uh, For one thing, he's just not going to be able to miss. For one thing, it's the Finals. And secondly, when Yusef Nurkic went down with that gruesome injury a little over a month ago, Cantor's been playing some big minutes, and he's been playing well. And you need a guy like that. And it's even more impressive is he's a practicing Muslim. He's been doing this without eating or drinking water during the day from sunrise to sunset, still playing at this high of a level without that kind of nutrition. So you have this weird situation surrounding Ines Cantor. Uh, for one thing, I just feel for this guy with what he has to deal with, knowing he's still got family over there, not sure what they're going through. For another, you've got the whole basketball background aspect to it we probably don't have to worry about it with portland and toronto not likely to meet up in the finals but this is still something that's ongoing that the nba is going to have to deal with should both of them advance right and i mean it seems like obviously a very unique situation um, i don't know if the nba has ever had to deal with something like mm-hmm. this but obviously um Cantor's life is the number one priority basketball would be after that i would i would assume mm-hmm. um but it's just a very interesting interesting situation obviously like you said um obviously you know being a muslim and and doing that whole thing with with fasting and whatnot that's difficult as as it is um especially being a professional athlete um and then yeah like you said having to worry about what what your family's going i don't really know the turkish government and and you know 
consequences that they, they would be facing or anything mm-hmm. like that because of Ayn's Cantor's actions. Um, but, um, you know, there has to be a lot, lot on this guy's mind. And for him to be playing such a high, a high level, I mean, that is absolutely impressive. Um, but I, I just kind of put my shoe, my, myself in Ayn's Cantor's shoes of how scary that would be knowing that, you know, you can possibly be assassinated. You know, it's not funny, but, I mean, that's just crazy to think. How do you focus on basketball? When you're talking about that, you know, and then obviously when you're Portland, you need him on the floor because if you don't have him, your team, especially in the paint, is is a lot weaker. So um, I don't think we're gonna have to obviously have to deal with that. If if the Raptors and Trailblazers are playing in the finals, I will be I will be in some sort of twilight zone. I don't even know what would be happening, but man, just a, a unique situation. And and you know, I hope at some point they can figure that out without Ions obviously going back and and needing to be executed. I can imagine how that would be if that actually went for it or became fruition kind of a footnote to this but a lot of people wouldn't know who center ron wyden is out of oregon they wouldn't be able to pick him out of a lineup if you look at him you would think he's maybe 40 something 50 something he's 70 years old he's one of those guys that has just aged really well especially for someone in politics that's impressive someone we all want to be you know as we grow that's that's how we want to age. danny trejo the actor he's I, i like him as an actor a lot he turned 75 today. Would you have guessed he's 75? Mm-mm. He looks he looks good for yeah. 75. Wow. Yes, he does. But I tell you what, we owe you a timeout when we come back. The real winners of NBA Draft Lottery Night that nobody's talking about. Pistons fans, you're going to want to hear this next in the Sports Pen and ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. We welcome you back to The Sports Pen. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Thanks for being with us in your Thursday afternoon. A couple of nights ago, a couple of ping pong balls decided the fate of several teams in the NBA, at least for the upcoming season, the upcoming draft. The New Orleans Pelicans appeared to be the big winner, getting the number one overall pick. Zion Williamson didn't look too happy about it. There's been speculation, is he going to return to Duke so he doesn't have to go to the Pelicans? Let's just say he's not going, to, he's not going back to there's Duke. No, there there's is no way. no way he would go back to Especially Duke. after the injury last exactly. year and all the speculation. Would, you can't yeah, risk it. You it would can't. not happen. And his stepfather went on ESPN Radio Baton Rouge today, and he said that's not something they're even considering right now. Albeit, he still didn't look very happy. Zion didn't about the Pelicans getting the number one overall pick. Anthony Davis isn't happy about it either. He still wants out of there. So as of right now, the Pelicans are still the winners. But I feel for Alvin Gentry. He's a good coach. He's just trying to coach, and his best player wants to leave. Maybe the next best phenom in basketball appears not to want to play for him. And I just kind of feel bad, especially after how happy he was with the explicitive and the high fives after he found out he was getting the number one overall pick. I feel bad for him with this, what he's going through. But as of now, the Pelicans are still the big winner from lottery night. The Memphis Grizzlies are going to pick number two overall. And a report came out last night that they are informing teams they have their sights set on Murray State guard, guard John Morant, that Ja is going to be their guy that they're expecting to take at number two, which means probably that R.J. Barrett goes number three to the Knicks. But what that means for the Grizzlies is Ja Morant will be the guard of the future. Mike Conley is probably on his way out. So where does Mike Conley go this offseason? I think it'd make a lot of sense for the Detroit Pistons to pick him up. I really think that they need to make a package, get Mike Conley. They made a few moves at the deadline last year. And they were a better team in the second half. They started making a little bit of a run. Uh, Conley, he's on the wrong side of 30. He's 31. He'll be 32 by the start of the 2019-2020 season. 
his biggest knock against him is his inability to stay healthy. He's extremely injury-prone for the contract that he has with Memphis right now. The Grizzlies aren't getting the bang for their buck. I mean, he's just not on the floor enough for what they're paying him. But he's still a top-tier guard. It'll, I would say he's a he'd be a good co-star for Blake Griffin. Uh, he'd be an upgrade over whatever they have right now. Mm-hmm. I would like to see the Pistons go after Mike Conley this offseason. I think it would make a lot of sense. Just thinking about it, you know, obviously Mike Conley, it's a big name. Um, he's been in Memphis his whole career, so he doesn't get a lot of shine. But, um, you know, he's a solid player. Again, you, you bring up his health issues, though. Mm-hmm. You know, we, ha- or I shouldn't say we, Detroit has a a point guard right now who is similar. You know, he's similar and can't stay healthy. Um, his contract's really ridiculous, too, so that might be an, an, an issue. But, um Obviously, I think you'd have to send Reggie Jackson in this package. Absolutely. Whoever, whoever you're trading, you know, whatever you're trying to trade, I think he's going to have to be, obviously, one of those pieces. Um, for me, I'm just up in the air right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really hard for me to, you know, bringing in a, a, a guy that's 31 years He's proven, but he's 31 years old. Um, is that is that really the answer? I feel like they should be getting younger in my eyes. But, um I mean, I, it would be interesting, like you said. Um, he he can Mike Conley can score the basketball, but you know he's a really good facilitator. You know, obviously playing in Memphis, he's a good defender. Um, I think he'd work well with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. I think it'd be interesting to see. Um, the Pistons have to do something I'm, at, at this point. As long as they do something, they're just trying to change change something. Because right now they're they're making it into the playoffs to get knocked out in the first round, or they're barely just missing out in the playoffs, and they're and they're getting a 15th pick in the, in the NBA draft. And um, for the most, you know, it's it's unlikely you're going to get a guy that's going to change around a, a franchise with that 15th pick. There's going to be a lot of guys out there, you know, obviously I think they got to get a shooter, they got to get a scorer, they got to get a wing um, because that's where they're struggling. So hopefully they can find maybe a diamond in the rough this season. But um, it would be interesting to see. Obviously I feel like Reggie Jackson isn't the answer at point guard. So um, if you can move on from him, that'd be great. But 31-year-old Mike Conley, it's it's tough for me. Normally, I would agree with you that they need to get younger in a situation like this. But the way that they haven't, the way they've drafted, they haven't drafted well the last few years. They haven't drafted well enough for me to want to invest in the upcoming drafts and what have you. They're picking fifteenth overall, like you said. I think you got to hold on to that. You see what you can get out of it, and I think you hold on to Luke Kennard. I think they're still waiting for Luke Kennard to take over the team. I don't think he's gonna. But I think he could still be a guy that's efficient offensively. He could still play a big role for them in the future. Mm-hmm. If an offer was on the table, if you were playing GM and someone offered you Reggie and next year's first-round pick, because Memphis doesn't have a first-round pick next year. If Detroit offers them theirs and Reggie Jackson for Mike Conley, would you do that? Man, that first-round pick, you know, how much – is Mike Conley going to actually improve your team? If you really think about it, you're, I think he would. I think he spaced the floor really well, and that's what they need. Would they right move now. from an eighth seed to to where would you think? If you got Mike Conley, you know how much would his addition move? Would they finish in like a top four, fifth seed? You know what what would that be? Would they be able to win a series? I don't know. I think the East is going to change a lot in this off season, and I'm not ready to make projections on it yet. But they just have to do something. They've got to make some changes, and Mike Conley would be a big first step toward that in that direction. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. And to be honest with you, I haven't really seen Mike Conley play a lot, so it's really hard for me to kind of you know gauge what type of 
you know how he's been playing and things like that obviously being a little bit older but but i just agree with you man if if that's what they have to do um if they s- stick with it they probably are going to get a mid-round first pick anyways um they got to do something so yeah i mean just give it a swing do something please make a move trade trade away a player i, I don't at this point i don't care I, they need to do something they are stuck in mud right now don't you wish that Detroit would have hung on to Chris Middleton when they drafted him in the second round six years ago? How bad does that look now? Chris Middleton, um, even Spencer Dinwiddle, they, yeah. they let go, and he's playing pretty well in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Talk about the draft. They passed up on like a Donovan Mitchell one year and things like that. So, you know, just just these mistakes that, you know, they, this could be a way different looking team if they were able to just, you know, see what they had. But, and even uh, like a guy like uh, guy uh, B- Baines. In uh, Boston, oh Aaron let, Baines, Aaron yeah. Baines, even that—that that was a guy who, yeah, man, they let him go. I think he would was a good, he a good player, better from three than a lot of their guards. Exactly. Right now. So, um, letting guys go that have flourished in other roles, even KCP. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he was inconsistent, but I mean, he was a scorer for you guys. Um, so letting him go was was kind of, it was sad to see him leave as well. So, um, so yeah, man. It's tough, man. I don't. I don't really know. Like normally, like I like to think I'm a, I'm a GM. You know, like a lot of people out there probably would be like, "Hey, if I was the GM, this is how I would do it." But this Pistons situation, I just don't know where I would start. There's just so much that has to be has to be worked on. You know, when it comes from just the roster, it's it's tough. Well, I tell you what, if I'm that front office, I'm hanging on to Kennard and I'm hanging on to the 15th overall pick this year, Reggie Jackson, even Andre Drummond. If you can find someone who wants to take that contract. Everybody but Blake Griffin and Luke Kennard is on the market for me this year. They're, they're trade bait if I can find something that I like. But I tell you what, it looks like that Zion will probably end up with the Pelicans, John Morant to Memphis, and then R.J. Barrett is going to go to New York. And I love the reaction from all the Knicks fans. Don't you just I, – I kind of feel bad at the same point, but it's still kind of funny. Uh I don't. I take that back. I don't feel bad for the Knicks. I, I feel a little bad for the Jets. I don't feel bad for the Knicks. Uh, I'm one of those people. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like a one of those guys getting on a rant about socialism. But the the best part of the Knicks season this year, from an outsider perspective, was how bad they looked and how poorly they didn't even try to hide the fact that they were tanking. They do all that. Their most interesting. Part of their season was how bad they could be, and they still don't even get the top overall draft pick. I mean, you want to be high. It's, it's, you know, I know it's a socialism thing, but if you're on the bottom ladder and you want to know how you get ahead, go earn it. It's incentive. You know, don't expect to just tank and expect people to hand stuff to you like a number one overall pick. So take that, Bernie Sanders. Coming from a Boston Celtics fan, I don't. <laughs> doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah. Man, I I wanted to see Zion in New York. I don't know. Um, I want to see the the Knicks good, man. I, I feel like they've been in the basement for so long. I'm start, I'm personally starting to feel bad for the Knicks. I don't know if you've seen Stephen A. Smith's reaction. Um, he was oh, in, yeah. in some sort of dark rumor in a vehicle. I mean, I think that um, kind of just portrays every Knicks fan's um, attitude towards this. I, I still think even with the third pick, and, and you pick up R.J. Barrett, I do like Kevin Knox. If Durant, who supposedly it's an already done deal, who knows now after the draft, but to come over there, I still think you're in pretty good shape. Um, I do kind of feel bad, but it kind of is. it's kind of like saying, hey, is tanking really worth it now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It makes things a little bit more interesting. I thought this was the year that everything was going to work out for the Knicks. I'm not going to lie. I was like, 
I was like, the NBA wants to give Zion or wants to give the Knicks Zion. Zion, you know, for the NBA, having Zion in that market would be huge. Um, and there's there's just no way. But then you, you get the Memphis pick. I'm just like, Memphis and then New Orleans. I was like, come on, man, come on. But um, when you talk about the Pelicans, though, now you're kind of – it's kind of interesting because you could kind of start from scratch, pick up Zion to be your franchise player, and then trade trade Anthony Davis, who seems to still not want to want to be in New Orleans. Um, trade him and, and get a haul and get some picks and then start building around Zion. I think, I mean, um, for the for the Pelicans, that that you know your whole future changed with that. Obviously, so a lot of more optimism, a lot more positivity coming through New Orleans from earlier on this season when their star player was trying to get out of there, demanding trades in the season. Nothing was really going well. Um, so good, good for that. Um, but I do feel like I feel like RJ Barrett to New York. I, 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 for Knicks fans, I, I know it's tough right now, and everything seems to be on fire, and you're just kind of sitting there. But I do think things will work out. I think you're going to be a better basketball team, obviously, with the third pick. What's up with with LA getting the fourth pick, though? Like, come on. If they would have got the third, first of all, everyone would have lost their mother loving minds. Uh, secondly, if they had gotten the third. Anthony Davis would already be a Laker by now. They would have already had a deal that included a package for the number three pick to get Anthony Davis, and then the Pelicans are getting RJ and Zion. That they're going to reunite them. That's hey, that, what would have happened by now if LA got the three pick instead of New York. I, I would love to see RJ and Zion play play with each other. I think you know we might see them team up down the road after their rookie rookie contracts. Who knows? Maybe they'll. Do I think Zion will be a Pelican for life? Doubt it. No. Doubt it. I think he might be gone right after his, his contract's up. Um, yeah, I mean that would be that would have been interesting to see um, how that how that would work out. Well, I tell you what, uh, we are just across the bottom of the hour. We owe you a timeout. I'm going to put you on the spot on live air, though. I got a trivia question for uh, you. It's I'm a hard one, these. so uh, I could put ten dollars on the on the table because I'm pretty confident. But I think I still owe you ten dollars from a question a few months ago I, I agree so how about how about i just buy a drink this weekend sounds, or something sounds good sounds good to me <laughs> uh people make you know all this hype about zion is he a fantastic player yes but getting him is he going to turn the pelicans into a dynasty who knows since 1985 only four number one overall draft picks went on to win an nba title do you know who those are two of them are still active since since 1985 1985. Two were still active, and they each did it as teammates, like or they did it as pairs. Two of them were on one team. Two of them were on another. How many do you have to name? Four. LeBron. Uh, snap. Kyrie. Kyrie's another. Uh, Kyrie's probably the only one who didn't lead his team to the right, championship. Right, right. I'm, I'm thinking first round picks. First picks. I don't know, man. This is this is tough on the spot. Um, Kevin Durant was. He was a two behind Greg Oden. Oh, Greg Oden. (laughs) I I think Greg Oden just uh, just graduated. Graduated, yeah. Got his degree. Shout out out Greg Oden for Mm -hmm. you know. Obviously, the basketball thing didn't work out. Sorry, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to (laughs) kill some time here. Um, I don't know, man. I'll give you the year: 2003 and in 1999. They did it twice. 1999. Um, I'm trying to think who was the first overall pick. I don't know. (laughs) I got to go to brush up on my history. 1999. Well, he wasn't the first overall pick that year. That's one of the years they won the title. Oh. And in 03. And in 03. Pistons won it. Pistons were 04. Pistons won it 04. Who won it? I don't know, man. Tell me. <laughs> Tim Duncan oh, and the Admiral, David Robinson. David Robinson, man. Oh. San Antonio Spurs, 99 and 2003. David Robinson, man. What a player he oh, was. Oh, man. 
goes on to the Navy, then plays basketball, He's then his son a, goes to Notre Dame and is except, class president. Yeah, exceptional human being, Dave, David Robinson. <laughs> oh, we owe you a timeout. When we come back, controversy surrounding the NHL Stanley Cup last night. They're kind of in the same boat as the NFC Championship. That's next in the Sports Pen and ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Here's your Sports Center update. Yankees third baseman Miguel Andahar has elected to undergo season ending surgery to repair a torn labrum in his right shoulder. Andahar had been trying to play through it, playing significantly less on the field and choosing to DH, just decides to end his season and get it repaired. Arizona Cardinals defensive back Patrick Peterson has been suspended six games for violating the league's performance-enhancing drug policy. Normally, a first-time offender gets four games, but they give him six when they they detect a masking agent and find proof that he tried to hide it. And finally, Sonic the Hedgehog's real name is Ogilvy Maurice. So that is your sports center update. Ogilvy Maurice, the hedgehog. Wow. But they went with Sonic. I like Sonic a little bit. I like that a lot better. <laughs> Doesn't look like an Ogilvy. Did you see the new the, the new Sonic movie that's coming out? No, I haven't seen it yet. I've seen all these. I, I, well, it's not out, but the previews, people did not like how he no. was looking. He would look too too nice, man. Mm-hmm. Too cuddly. They had a, they, Apparently, they're redoing the whole thing. So And the internet freaking out irrationally over something not important. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's how it happened. Damn. I mean... It, if you want to dip your toe in the water, I guess put out a trailer and just kind of see the comments. But um, you never want to see that when you're trying to drop a movie because that that's bad. I just don't think. Like, come on, people, just make them look normal. Like, why do we have to? Why do we have to do this? Same thing with Detective Pikachu. I just don't get it. Just, just right. Just put out a Pokemon movie. Lego Batman. Yeah, like yeah. come on, like Detective. I, it's just a weird spin. I just, I want to just see a, a, a Pokemon movie. Come on. Well, I tell you what, looking at hockey, some controversy on the ice last night in Missouri. Plus, you got a specific politician who is trying to eliminate one of people's favorite parts of NHL hockey. We're going to get to that in the next 15 minutes. But first, last night, the Sharks came back to beat the Blues after the Blues came back and took a lead over the Sharks. San Jose wins it 5-4 in overtime. They take a 2-1 series lead. The Sharks led 3-1 at one point. St. Louis came back and scored three unanswered. Then Logan Couture, who has been absolutely on fire during these playoffs, scores his 14th goal of the postseason with a minute and one second left in the game to send it to overtime. Eric Carlson, he went on a little bit of a goal drought. He scored twice last night, including the winner, albeit was marred with controversy. A missed hand pass. Timo Meyer appeared to deflect the puck backwards toward Gustav Nyquist, who then passed it to Carlson, who beat Jordan Bennington, and that proved to be the winner. The officials huddled up. They took a look at it, and they said, even if there was a mistake made here, it is a non-reviewable call. And I just can't get the L.A. Rams, New Orleans Saints, NFC Championship out of my head. Clearly, it was a mistake. The officials missed something. But why are calls like this non-reviewable? And They even said, it sounds like a cop-out answer. This is a non-reviewable call. Yeah, we probably made a mistake. But there's nothing we can do about it. Why isn't there anything you can do about it? Like, who's saying this is not reviewable? This is bad. This is the playoffs, and this is the highest level of pro hockey in the world. Right. I mean, there should be somebody in charge that, you know, especially in the postseason, I don't think there should be a set, you know, especially when you talk about overtime and things like that. No matter what, 
the official should be able to look at a replay that's right there and just make the call. Mm-hmm. What is stopping them from going over and doing that and making the right call? It just doesn't make any sense. And I'm I'm looking at the the pass, the hand pass right now on mm-hmm. my on my phone, and he clearly knows what he's doing. Right. He, he, he sees the puck. It's in his glove, and he's literally pushing it towards the front of the net. I mean, it's blatant. And I think a lot of people, a lot of hockey fans are are agreeing that this year's postseason, you know, it's been insane. Yeah, teams have been, you know, top seeds have been getting knocked out, but the officiating has just been absolutely terrible. Especially um, with the Sharks game. Especially with the Sharks game. And, and, you know, I'm not really too too angry about it because, you know, I picked the Sharks yes, to, you did. to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup. So, you know, I'm looking pretty good right now. But, um but yeah, I mean, I, I I'm with you, man. I just don't get it, especially when you talk about that NFC Championship game. Why? What's stopping somebody? Mm. I know there's rules in place, but I mean, the commissioner has to get on the phone and just be like, you know what, we we got to throw this out right now because um it's it's important, and you know the series is tied one to one. That that could very well you know decide the series. It like, just makes no sense. Just go over there. And, just go. Just go over there and, and look at it. Get it right. Why is it non-reviewable? If both teams can agree. Hey. Uh huh. We're we're okay with you going to review. Obviously, the sharks are saying no, no, right. don't do it. Um, but I mean, I just it, I just don't know. There's a there's a force field. There's something that's stopping these guys. It just makes no sense. Why can't um, a system be put in place where hey, if, if it's an overtime or the last couple of minutes, no matter any call, mm-hmm. I know they're worried about length of games and things like that. But it's worth it. It's worth it to get it right. You know, and as a league, that's what you should want to do. It just doesn't make sense. There well, they, should always be re- replays. They need to be able to look at specifically what they're deeming illegal and what have you. Because, you know, for those who don't follow hockey closely, it clearly touched Timo Meyer's hand, and he appeared to direct the puck toward one of his teammates. You can grab the puck. You can reach up and pull it out of the air. You just can't motion it in any direction. You have to come straight down with it. Otherwise, it's a hand pass. He clearly was <laughs> made contact with the puck he shoveled and then it. directed it toward a teammate. He shoveled it. He was on his knees. Mm-hmm. He literally saw it fall into his glove, and he... He shoveled it in front of the net. He knew what he was doing. Guy. He knew what he was doing, um, and he wasn't and, available I mean, for comment. After I, was, the game. <laughs> I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be either. Um, obviously, in his mind, he's just going to take a chance and hope it works out for the best. And it and it did. But it, it was a it was a really bad look. You know, I'm reading things. Uh, fans throwing trash onto onto the ice. Um, you know, players smashing sticks off the glass. Uh, I'm guessing the Blues. It was the Blues GM who who went after the officials, went mm-hmm. to their locker room, was banging on the door, you know, cursing the officials out. It's it's not a good look, and and it all could have been, you know, uh, it all could have been fixed if they if they just got the call right. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate this happens to happen, but same thing with the NFL. You know, hopefully they come out on the other side, you know, more prepared for these bigger moments and and can get it right. I just don't get why you can't. We have the cameras. You know, there's cameras everywhere. It doesn't take that long for an official to go and, and look at the camera. I just don't see why, you know, why you can't just do it. I just, I just it, you know, make it more a little backyard if you have to. I know there's rules in place, and, you know, maybe it's not fair if, in certain situations. But, I mean, this was such a big game. And for Blues fans, you got to feel for them. I think we can all agree this is a rule that needs to be changed. We're hoping this has Gary Bettman's attention. There is a different rule that a small group of people is hoping to change from professional hockey, and that's coming north of the border. Doug Ailson is a member of the Canadian Parliament, and he called upon NHL Commissioner Bettman to ban fighting in professional hockey. Uh, Ailson, before he went into politics, he was a medical doctor, and he cited medical trauma, lingering symptoms of concussions that can last well beyond a player's career. 
I tell you what, he's not wrong. He raises some points, good points, and, you know, he's factually correct. At the same point, a lot of people like hockey for the fights. I like hockey fights, man. You can't take that out of hockey. It's unique, man. It's like, let's make him play flag football in the NFL. Right, right. It's unique. It makes it unique. It's part of the game. I will fight anybody who decides to take fighting out of NHL. (laughs) I don't care. You know what I mean? But you you can't do it, man. A lot of people watch hockey because of the fights. And and if a player chooses to get in one of these fights, I mean, it's it's on him. Mm -hmm. Obviously, health is a big thing. I know concussions and things like that. But I just feel like all these sports are just becoming too soft. I'm sorry. I'm one of those. I'm a little bit older. I'm not like an old, you know, grumpy old man. <laughs> but it's just like, come on, guys. Come on. Let's, you know, why? 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 Uh, I tell you what. Uh, yeah, the Canadian government has actually put out its own specific subcommittee regarding concussions in sports. And this is how they're choosing to direct their time is push Gary Bettman to ban fighting in hockey. Make it like the college game where you're not allowed to fight, although you can at the junior hockey level where you have like high school age kids that can fight, then they go to college, they can't, then they get back to the pros, they can. So. What if what if like, you know, two players, you know, you do you motion like we're going to fight and then, you know, the, the game stops. What if they put on like, you know, gloves and then they fight, you know, just to get it out of the way? Could you could you maybe or, or work on some equipment changes? I I don't know how that works. <laughs> could it turn from hockey to boxing real quick and back to hockey? That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> I tell you what, a must win for the Hurricanes tonight. Sometimes I say must win, maybe a little too liberally. This is a must win. The Carolina Hurricanes need to win to save their season, trailing Boston three games to nothing. Carolina's only home loss in these playoffs came a couple of nights ago to these Boston Bruins. They started Curtis McElaney and net. I thought that was the right move. I think Mrazek's magical run has just kind of lost its luster. They are fighting for their season tonight against the Bruins, who just look like they have everything going right now. I mean, they just look like the best team left. It's in all likelihood, unless a miracle happens, the city of Boston is going to claim three of the four major sports championships in one calendar year. I, you know, I was saying this last year, I'm like, anybody but the Boston Bruins. <laughs> Why is it every year it's either the Boston Bruins or the Pittsburgh Penguins that are just somehow... Well, Washcaps did it last year. Well, okay, that was, I mean, that was, a, that was uh, definitely a change. But as a casual NHL fan that I am, it always just seems like these, these group of teams just always just make these runs or always, it always clicks, man. And, and dang it, Boston... You're so – I can't I can't watch it. I can't watch another Patriots win. I don't want to see the Boston Bruins win. I don't care. Like, the, the fun with the Red Sox is over. The, you mm-hmm. know, the curse has ended. I don't want to see them – I want another curse, another 100 years. I don't want to see anybody from Boston complaining, and, and I do hope the Sharks move on, and I hope I'm, I'm standing there as a correct. I just – I can't do it. It's so – it's just – it's lackluster for me. It's the, like, the, oh, great. Yeah, they the only title they don't win is the one I want them to win, the NBA yeah, title. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, okay, if they're going to win a championship, let's have the Celtics win one. But, uh, man, oh, Boston, oh. And then they, have the, and then they complain, and then mm-hmm. their fans are out there complaining, what, whatever sport. It's like you have no room to complain about anything. They have the best goalie left in the tournament. I still think that he should be a Vezina finalist. I know his regular season wasn't spectacular. His playoffs are making up for it. I love what Tuka Rask is doing right now. I feel like postseason should should be a big factor. I don't should be, with yeah. with these awards. I mean, that's you know where you're facing most pressure. It's the biggest games, and it's it's where you're tested the most. I, you know these regular season awards. It's it's insane. Let's why not wait for the postseason and see what they do because that's when the biggest players shine. So. Well, the Hurricanes are 2-0 and in elimination games in these playoffs so far. They've, they've beaten Washington <laughs> twice to force uh, Game 7 and then ended up winning that series. But 
I tell you what, I don't think they're going to be able to do four in a row. In no. fact, I think Boston sweeps them tonight. I, I do think too. They finish I it. just think they have they have it going for them. They have the momentum. Um, let's let's be honest, Carolina. They've been on kind of a, a nice little run. Maybe they shouldn't have been there. Um, I just think times that times up for this team. And um, you know, like I said uh, last week, Boston just has has the players who've kind of been through it. They're they're experienced. They're they're physical. They have the best goaltender, like you said. Um, you know, now they now they're up three. They, you know, they're smelling they're smelling blood. So. I, I do think Boston wants to end it so they can get prepped for what should be a good Stanley Cup Finals. Well, I tell you what, we owe you our last time out. When we come back, we take a look at the PGA Championships at Beth Page, plus what is happening with the New York Jets. Cleveland may be starting to get a little taste of what the Giants did. All that's coming up next in the Sports Pen and ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. If you've missed any part of the show today, check it out on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just search up ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you about down to the 5 o'clock hour on your Thursday afternoon. The PGA Championship's underway this morning over at Beth Page in New York. Brooks Kepka, he was a lot of people's pick to win it, and boy, is <laughs> he making them look pretty good right now. He shoots a course record 63. He's in first place, three strokes ahead of second. Other notables uh, where they stand after the first day, Jordan Spieth is tied for fifth. Ricky Fowler's tied for ninth. Phil Mickelson is tied for 18th. Uh, Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson are tied for 45th. And then a couple of favorites for the championship here, Francisco Molinari, and, of course, Tiger Woods tied for 72nd. They are nine strokes out of first place, which, you know, it's still one day, but the way Kepka's playing right now. I mean, if he's setting records, it's going to be, it's going to be man, tough. Man, he's just he's good on this court. I actually picked Dustin Johnson. I, I, thought, I still think he's got a shot. Yeah. This morning I was pretty confident, though, Dustin Johnson was going to win because he plays well on a course like this that plays long, especially as we get into Sunday. This is a course that challenges your stamina. You you walk what like an average of five miles per day in this or uh, on a given championship course. This one is six, and it may not sound like a lot, but when you're a guy who's got that build, the strides, and the athleticism for it, I think that's where that's really going to benefit Johnson by the end of the weekend. So if he's hanging around, look for him to maybe make a run Sunday. That's why I'm thinking Dustin Johnson will win this tournament, or at least if Kepka cools off, hopefully a little bit. Uh, the audience doesn't agree with me. Our fan poll, 56% of the audience say Tiger Woods is going to win this. you got to root for Tiger. You, I know. A lot of people are. and it, it, The odds are against him. Odds he's, are, yeah. You know, I, he's, he's feeling under the weather. He's got that lawsuit he's dealing with right now. We'll get back to that. Kepka got 32% of the vote. Dustin Johnson got four. So there's not a lot of people who share my optimism. Other 8%. So somebody gonna, else. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd probably put down other, just yeah. to, you know. But uh, you know, yeah, definitely a lot of big names, you know, playing well there. Um, you know, there's just a handful of names that I, I know. I'm I'm not like a, a crazy golf watcher. I know some of the bigger names, some of the more consistent players. Obviously, Kepka's one of those people. Dustin Johnson, guys like that. But um, I'm one of those guys. I'm just a Tiger fan. I'm a Tiger fan. I, I, I want to see Tiger back in it. I want to see him in the running. Golf wants to see him in the running. Um, but it does seem like he's he's having one of those one of those tournaments where it might not might not work out just because like you said outside things happening you know obviously when you're dealing with illness that could be huge i never really thought about how much walking you have to do yeah. and how that could affect that's pretty interesting to me man you kind of just opened like blew my mind there yeah for me. well i tell you what uh 
Tiger is dealing with he got off to a great start and then he's cooled off a little bit and he's one of those guys that I don't see him making a run late I don't see the comeback that we saw at Augusta this is a much different course but I tell you what he's dealing with a lot off the course right now him and his girlfriend have just been named in a lawsuit for wrongful death an employee at the Woods Jupiter restaurant he was 23 years old he had been drinking at the bar uh, after his shift the family of this young man who then decided to drive with a blood alcohol content three times the legal limit was involved in a fatal single car crash and his family is suing Tiger Woods and the restaurant staff for knowing that he didn't have any other means of transportation home, knowing he had problems with alcohol before and continuing to serve him. So I don't know. I don't know much more than that, what kind of involvement Tiger had in this, but Either way, you know that's on his mind as he is competing at Bethpage. I'm just, I'm just trying to get this. So Tiger was with this guy? No, like... Tiger owns the restaurant. Oh, he owns the restaurant. He owns okay. the restaurant, and this 23-year-old was an employee there, and he was drinking after his shift, and the they're suing Tiger as the owner for okay, wrongful death. Okay, I got death. you, got you. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it's difficult because obviously as a bartender, you're supposed to not supposed to know when a, when a person was is at their limits and things like that you also you know can't control what people decide to do when they get behind the wheel um it, that's a that's a tough situation man it's a tough situation and and unfortunately you know bar owners and, and bartenders and things have to have to deal with stuff like that it's it's unfortunate um i don't know i really don't know much like yeah. you said i don't really i'm not like you know I, i'm not a lawyer or anything like that so i don't really know too much about it but um, you know, hopefully they can get it figured out for both sides. And, yeah, just unfortunate situation. Well, I tell you what, the New York Jets have been in the news this week. <laughs> if you thought things couldn't get worse for New I, York I honestly sports they, fans. I honestly feel like they're they're getting a roster together. But yeah. You know what I mean? This like front office did it. bad. They fire Mike McCagnan, who was the general manager until yesterday. He was fired by the guy that he just hired as head coach. I mean, Adam Gase apparently wanted his guy in the front office, so he fires the guy who hired him. I, how does that <laughs> I work? I don't know how that works, but old That's, crazy eyes got it done. That is savage. Uh, apparently that he didn't want to pay Le'Veon Bell the contract that McCagnan did apparently he doesn't want to spend a lot of money at the center position and the running back position and yeah I think Adam Gase knows how to coach mm -hmm. I don't think he's got the repertoire yet in the NFL to do it because right now he's got two hats for the Jets and he hasn't even coached a game he's the head coach and the general manager What's he done to deserve that? He took a division rival and finished two games under 500 with them in like two years. Yeah, exactly. And now he's the one calling the shots of your franchise. Like, what'd he do to deserve that? I have no idea. You gave him the stare down. Just gave him <laughs> one of those crazy eyes. That's a lot of responsibility for him, you know, coming into his first year with, with an organization. And, um, I mean, I, I understand, yes, you know, running backs, they're, they're a dime a dozen. But, I mean, Le'Veon Bell is a great pass catcher, and I'm looking at the wide receivers, and I'm just saying, you guys don't really have much. No. You know, offensively, you could really focus your your whole offense around a Le'Veon Bell. I think people kind of forget how good he really is. You know, I, I understand where Adam Gase is coming from, but, I mean, give, give, give it a shot. Like, let's see what this team looks like. I know you could look at it on paper, but who knows? It might It might be worth it. Well, and if you're criticizing your running back who just had an ugly breakup with his old team, is that really the no? Now <laughs> you're, you now there's chemistry issues because now you know how Le'Veon Bell is. You know when loyalty is broken, 
he's he's okay with you know obviously he's a very opinionated guy and and he isn't afraid to speak his mind so him coming into a situation now you don't feel like the coach wants you the whole thing reason why he sat out a whole year is because he wanted to go to a team that he where he felt wanted and now you're kind of saying hold up like now we we don't think it was a good deal like we don't really care like you feel like I'm disposable now mm-hmm. This could this could very well start start stirring the pot a little bit, and now you're talking about chemistry issues. Well, and Adam Gase has all the power except for the ownership. He's the only one that he reports to. But if it comes down to it, who's more replaceable, Adam Gase or Le'Veon Bell? And Gase is putting all his eggs in one basket, hoping my two top players on offense. I just need Darnold to be good, to be capable. And I need Le'Veon to not miss a beat despite taking a whole season off and skipping voluntary OTAs. And you know what? You know, the two players that will help the Sam Darnold become who he, he, he's going to have to rely on handing the ball off to Le'Veon Bell mm-hmm. a lot. Talk about you don't want to pay a center. I, I could see that. But a yeah. center is a pretty important position, too, it running is. that offense, you know, and things like that, knowing the audibles, running that offensive line. Uh, for a quarterback, an offensive line is pretty important. And when uh, your center – when you have a good center who's like basically your general, your leader of that line, of that unit, that's huge for a young quarterback. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like those positions are pretty important. Maybe it's just me. Um, I bring. I would be happy to have a Le'Veon Bell in Green Bay. So, um, it's it's pretty crazy, man, because now, like you said, I just don't see. He doesn't have the resume to really be de- making these demands and mm-hmm. things like that. And, and it's just your typical New York Jets, man. When it finally seems like they're getting it together, then something crazy happens. It just—it's ridiculous, man. Adam Gase—I don't—I don't think Adam Gase is really a, that great of a head coach to begin with. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't really see him lasting too long in New York, to be honest. We could go on about this for a while, but we're in the two-minute drill. We got the two-minute warning, so let's go to Cleveland. I think they're starting to see what the New York Giants did. There's a reason they got rid of Odell Beckham Jr., and it's not because of talent. It's not because of performance. It's because of attitude. And OBJ did skip voluntary OTAs, and, you know, it's voluntary, what have you. Championships are won in the offseason, yet you become great by doing the work you're not required to when you put more effort than necessary into doing something. Baker Mayfield, when asked about his new wide receiver, he said, you let a guy like that be him. Everybody has their routine. You got to trust he's going to be there when it matters and know who he is. Mm-hmm. That is not an overwhelming boat of confidence from your quarterback to your new toy at the wideout position. Right. I mean, I don't feel bad for Cleveland at all. You know what you were going to get. He's not going to change. Um, you know he can do a little things. He he went. He showed up for the first couple of days. Um, from what I know, he's going out to L.A. He's he's going to be training out there. Um, and and to be honest with you, he probably train have better training out there than he's getting with the Cleveland Browns right now. Anyways, um, you know with your personal uh, trainers and guys like that who are really pushing you. Um, but, but like you said, he, he's 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 a dog. Like he wants to say, you know, you can't cage him. Um, he's going to be who he is. And and I mean, you got to just hope for the best. But if you're Cleveland, this shouldn't surprise you. You know, I would I would be expecting this. You know, you I know you hope Jarvis could kind of you know reel him in a little bit, but this is who he is, and this is who he's going to be. And and like he's, and like Baker said, he has his own routine, and and hopefully when it matters most, he's going to be there. And and I do think he's he's motivated this year. I do think we're going to see a, a great year for Odell. And um, I just love that Cleveland Browns team. I love Baker. I love everything. I'm not I don't want to jump on a bandwagon, but I mean I'm rooting for the Browns this year. I want to root for them. They're talented enough, but at the same point it's a recipe for disaster because they're throwing Baker Mayfield, OBJ, and Kareem Hunt into a pot and saying which one can grow up first. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I do think Baker Mayfield is definitely matured. I think I don't think you're going to really have to deal with him. I think he's a good leader in that in that locker room. But I mean, 
yeah, man, it's crazy. It's kind of like what Seattle did a couple years back when they just had all these like guys with big personalities and chips on their shoulders and, and alpha alpha guys together. You know, it could it could go really good, but it also could go really bad. I know they're hoping it goes really good. Well, I tell you what, that's it for us. Appreciate you as always here. We'll talk at you next week. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. That is it for us in the sports pen. Tune in tomorrow, same time and place. For Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoops on the ESPN at EUP.